Welcome to this week's Quill Podcast, recorded on December 3rd, 2021. For those of you tuning in, thank you for joining today's podcast. The Quill Podcast is a product of the Lemieux Center for Public Policy at Palm Beach Atlantic University. The mission of the Lemieux Center for Public Policy is to provide a space for reasoned, thoughtful, and civil discourse on pressing public issues confronting Florida, the United States, and the world. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Robert Lloyd. I'm Dean of the School of Liberal Arts and Sciences at Palm Beach Atlantic University and also Executive Director of the Lemieux Center. And I'm honored to be your host for today's discussions. Our featured speaker today is George Lemieux, former U.S. Senator from Florida, Chairman of a prominent Florida-based law firm and Chairman of the Lemieux Center. In today's podcast, Senator Lemieux will be discussing border security in the context of global security, a big topic. So welcome, Senator Lemieux. Dr. Lloyd, always nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, we have uh, it's a big topic and we'll just jump right into it. So we're taking a look at border security and in specifically on our southern border. So maybe uh, kind of what is, you could give us a quick overview of your understanding of the border security issue. Well, we're in a border crisis right now, uh, 200,000 immigrants seeking to cross the southern border, which is a an, in recent time and uh, an all time high. Uh, when I was in the Senate, I actually traveled to Arizona to see the border. The border is a very complex place. It's a big border. You know, it's all the way from Texas all the way to California in terms of our border with Mexico. And there's not a one size fits all solution. You have people who are doing migrant uh, crossings across very remote desert areas. You have folks that are tunneling under cities. I mean, Nogales would be a really good example where there's a Nogales on the Mexican side, the Nogales, Arizona on the US side, and you have a very different immigration problem there, also like with the Tijuana, than you have in the middle of a remote area. Uh, under President Trump, we had the build the wall calling. And in fact, the United States has built a lot of the wall. But I think what Americans and policymakers need to focus on is the complexity of the issue. Uh, right now, many of the people who are coming to cross into the United States are not seeking to evade uh, U.S. Border Patrol. In fact, the Cato Institute has found that 70% of the people who are coming are trying to be detected. Uh, they are trying to come through in a way uh, that is uh, going to be legally administered. Uh, so the, the challenge is not just the people coming. The challenge is what do you do with the people when they get here? And the processing, we saw a lot of uh, coverage about separation of families. There's been policy proposals to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to people who have been separated, which is not something that I in any way support. Uh, but it's the follow along consequences of what happens when the people get here. And I think that's a really big part of the issue. The other part of the issue is the conflating of legal immigration and illegal immigration and why we need legal immigration in this country. We are a country that is not having as many children as we used to have. We need a labor source. And to me, I've always believed that immigration, legal immigration, should be viewed like recruiting. You know, we should be taking the best and brightest. Uh, a friend of mine, Governor Haley Barber, used to say, if you come to this country and get a PhD in science, we should attach a green card to your diploma. You know, we need to have those folks who want to come here. And I think we also need to remember our heritage that 
we are a country that is in large part built upon immigration. You know, our Statue of Liberty uh, calls immigrants to this country. And it is because of immigration that in many ways, America has become the greatest country in the history of the world. So uh, not remembering that legal immigration is an important source for the vitality of this country is important while we discuss border security and border crossings. Okay, so you were mentioning how the immigrants crossing the border seek out, deliberately seek out um, U.S. authorities. Uh, could one also argue that the reason they do that is they'll be provided for, processed, and then released into the public and with a court date to show up in which they don't show up? Yeah, I don't know how far along they're thinking in terms of whether they're they're being they're seeking border uh, control people, border patrol uh, authorities in order to later evade them. Uh, I do think that ultimately why, you know, you have to ask the question of why they're coming and they're coming because they are in a desperate situation. Right now, let's look at uh, Haitians who have been fleeing a, a country which unfortunately has been for many years a disaster, both through natural disasters, through political corruption, uh, just a real failure, a failure that's right off our shore. So imagine that you're a Haitian uh, who is, things are so desperate that you're willing to find a way to get to Central America and then walk your way from Central America up through Mexico to make it into the United States. And now in Del Rio, Texas, we have thousands of Haitians. Uh, they didn't come through Florida. They didn't get on a boat and try to make it to Palm Beach County like they've done in the past. They actually went into Central America and walked their way up. They're coming because they are fleeing bad circumstances. And we as a country have to determine how we're going to evaluate that. You know, uh, in the past, we have had very welcoming reception to people who have been fleeing bad circumstances. For example, Cuban-Americans. We had a policy that because Cuba was communist, that we would welcome people who were fleeing that country. So I think America needs to have a real thoughtful conversation about immigration. And we need to stop some of these slogan politics that we have and recognize that there are there are parts of immigration that are very valuable to this country that can be encouraged while at the same time we protect our country and we protect our borders and we make sure that we're not allowing people into this country who would do violence to us or in otherwise hurt the American experience. Okay, so there's a little bit of history here. Uh, obviously there's, um, for the first part of American history, we really didn't have any border restrictions, but to get here was quite an expensive and arduous undertaking. Um, with modern technology like aircraft and so forth, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be and in the earlier years, a lot of people who came to this country legally uh, went back home for whatever reason. They, could, they didn't like it. They couldn't get a job. Uh, now it's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, but in 1986, we had an immigration reform bill, and the idea was to give amnesty to, um, as I recall, over a million individuals uh, to remain in the country. And then there was a verification of employment um, matched with that in order to stem immigrate illegal immigration. So you'd have to verify that you're a citizen. So the amnesty went into effect, but not not the um, verification. Right. Passed by a Republican Congress and signed by a Republican president by the name of Ronald Reagan. So shows you how different politics has become on the immigration issue. Uh, you Obviously, this, uh, this system has to work and there has to be verification. 
here in Florida, we don't have the border crossing issue that places like Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California have. We have a different immigration problem and it's called overstaying your visa. So you get a travel visa or an educational visa or a work visa that comes to the United States and then you never go home. That, that's a completely different problem than the problem of border crossings, but it still is a problem. So we don't want to encourage illegality. We want to encourage legality, but you also have to put this in the context that the legal immigration system in this country is broken, that we don't have a process that is as efficient and as effective as it used to be to bring people who want to come in legally. And those two things work together. People want to come to the United States and they are not going to stop wanting to come. There are ways to hold people in bordering countries. Uh, there's ways to, to support and encourage our neighbors like Mexico to not allow these chains of migration into the country. But at the end of the day, people want to come to our country and we need them. Frankly, uh, America is graying. America is not uh, having as many children as it's did. And the reason why America in some ways has been so successful is because of a growing population. If we get into ourselves into a Japan type situation where uh, they are, their, their elderly now are vastly outsizing uh, the, new, uh, the new younger Japanese people, uh, that is a disastrous economic impact potentially for a, a nation. So we have to get this right. And it's so much a part of our culture and it really was a part of our culture that was not politicized. You know, President Reagan signed that act uh, passed by a Republican Congress. President George W. Bush, being a governor from Texas, had a very open relationship with immigrants. And remember, a lot of the immigrants, particularly Mexicans who came to the United States, did not come to stay traditionally. They came to work. And the border between the United States and Mexico was just uh, a, a line on a map. Uh, you know, many people would come across to ranch, to farm, to seasonally work, and then go home. Uh, so when you build the wall, you kind of change that dynamic too. So uh, what I really think is important about this topic and why I've spent some time trying to work through it, not just in my time in public service, but recently, is that I think we are in danger of getting immigration wrong. And when we conflate legal immigration with illegal immigration and we take our focus off of what's really important, which is encouraging people to immigrate to this country who we want to immigrate, who will add either to the intellectual capital of the country or will add to, you know, those jobs that Americans don't want to do. Americans don't want to pick fruit. Americans don't want to work in a lot of manufacturing jobs. And if you think about where we are in a post-pandemic 2021, where we have offshored so many important industries to places like China, which is, you know, a competitor and potential enemy of the United States, an enemy in some ways, a competitor in others, uh, we're going to need to bring back a lot of those jobs to this country. And some of those jobs are going to be jobs that Americans don't want to do. So. Uh, I would ask everyone who's listening to this, and I would ask our policymakers, we're going to have to sit down um, as leaders and as citizens and really think about immigration so that we get it right. Okay, good points. Uh, let's go into the politics a little bit more. Uh, recently, I was talking with a well-educated recent immigrant to the United States, and he we were talking about the election. So we're, we're talking 
politics, sort of punditry, rank punditry, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he's a very thoughtful guy. And he said, well, you know, I couldn't really vote for the Republicans because they're anti-immigrant. And he, he was here legally. And so he said, but he, he aligned with many Republican policies, but disagreed with the party on his perception of their views towards immigrants. Uh, he was not for illegal immigration. In fact, he spoke negatively about them. But what struck me was the fact that illegal immigration to the country had risen to such an extent that legal immigrants were being affected by it as well. Because he said, you know, they're looking at me like I'm here illegally. And so I saw them as really closely linked. Uh, so you had a kind of a natural Republican, if you will, who was voting um, with the Democrats, but the Democrats uh, seemed to be more favorable towards open immigration, which in turn was affecting his view towards towards legal immigration. So I, it struck me as a, as a bit of a hot mess there on that one. Well, I think that's right. And I think that people, like I mentioned before, are conflating legal immigration with illegal immigration. And now we have the danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, most everybody is against illegal immigration. Most everybody believes we need to secure our borders. Uh, a country that can't secure its borders has a problem existing as a nation. However, legal immigration is such an important part of this culture in this country. And it's interesting to think about why we're here and how we got here. Uh, in, the, in the study I have done in recent time, I think two events in the last 20 years had a profound impact on how we view immigration. And one of them I really didn't think about until I got into the, the research a little bit, and that is 9-11. Uh, I mean, we have, we have locked down America because of the threat of international terrorism. And even though that threat was not a threat that came from Latin America, there has been a follow along effect of we're locking down the country to secure our borders and protect our people. And that mindset shift that happened when we were attacked on our shores has had an impact upon how we view immigration. The second thing that happened, and this is something that America has experienced before because we've had waves of anti-immigrant feeling in America that usually closely followed economic dislocation. So the 2008 to 2007, 2010 time period, uh, great recession that this country experienced also had a very profound effect upon how people viewed immigrants. And that's not uh, unusual. There were uh, attempts going back all the way into the early 1900s with acts against trying to deport Europeans and Mexicans after the Great Depression because people felt the same way. The immigrants are taking our jobs. Now, the evidence would suggest that immigrants are not taking the jobs that Americans want, but that is a real sentiment that's felt when people go through economic dislocation. So we've had two profound events, 9-11 and the Great Recession, that are still having impacts and ripples through our culture and our society of how we view immigration. Uh, it's really, we're in a very uh, different place than we've been in the past, but I think those two significant events in American history have brought us to sort of the viewpoint now that immigration is disfavored, not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration. And one um, tale of two stories, uh, two countries, 
Uh, when I was in graduate school, my wife and I went to Montreal, you know, enjoy ourselves, look around. So we were driving, we drove back through Quebec into Vermont. So we were on this two lane road and there was this little booth set up on the American side. So we stopped there under the trees and we waited, no one showed up. So I looked around, no one was there. So I went, okay. So just drove into the United States. So it was, it was a completely undefended border. You wouldn't have even known. You would have just seen sort of a little sign. Uh, when I was in college, a little bit earlier than that, undergraduate, I, I was helping a friend out who was um, lived in Bisbee, which is an old mining town near the border with Mexico, near Sonora, state of Sonora. So he, he said, hey, let's go down to Naco, which is no one's ever heard of. It's Naco, um, Arizona and Naco, Sonora. So we went down to the border and we drove down there and there was a guy at a little booth station. We waved at him. He looked at us and saw we were Americans. We just drove across and hung around and did some shopping and then hung back. And that was it. That was Naco, Naco. And uh, a few years ago, I went and it looked like a war zone. I kid you not. Uh, there were walls, there were um, surveillance balloons. To get into the Sonora side, you had to go through this sort of these Jersey barriers, you know, as if some terrorist bomber was going to go ramming through. And it was unbelievable, the difference. And there were billboards up complaining about immigrants coming into the country, you know, kind of along the, the side of the road. And it was just uh, so different. I couldn't believe it. So how, how would your ideas affect that? You know, how would, in your research as you've taken a look at this issue, how would that become de-escalated uh, so it, it's not such a source of contention and, and border security concern? Yeah, it's, it's a great question and I can't give you an easy answer. We've yeah. militarized the border and Mexico is an ally and friend. Um, so that's, that puts us in a, a difficult situation and kind of getting Americans to rethink the border is going to be challenging when we've militarized the border. Because when you're militarizing the border, you're basically sending the message that what's on the other side of a border is a threat. And yes, are there threats? Yes. Have there been bad people who have come across the border? Yes. Are immigrants more likely to commit crime than native-born Americans? No. In fact, they're less likely to commit crime here. And that is a great misnomer. And, you know, uh, one thing that I take issue with is, you know, efforts of politicians to use the the boogeyman of illegal immigration to secure political victories. And, you know, there's a concept in the research called securitization. And that's when you take an issue and you go beyond politicizing an issue and you securitize an issue and you say, you know, this issue is going to cause you danger in your life if we don't do something about it. And why do policymakers seek to securitize an issue? They do so to get extraordinary powers to deal with the threat that they've now made the, the populace believe is real. And the, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that the evidence is not there to support uh, this idea that immigrants are a a threat to Americans, uh, at least in terms of their their safety and security. Uh, it's, it's just not there, especially immigrants from Latin America. Now, if we talk about immigrants from, you know, countries that are, uh, are dangerous to us in the Middle East and places like that, that's a different concern and, and requires a different level of analysis. But in terms of our friends in Latin America or our friends in Haiti, uh, it just, they, they don't pose a security threat. And to say that they do, I think misinforms Americans. The, the other challenge that I'll just note about immigration is that solving the immigration 
problem is a bipartisan problem. Uh, it is not, I'm a Republican, it's not just Republicans who have challenges with immigration, Democrats have challenges with immigration. Uh, it is the most difficult issue to tackle in Washington. You'll remember that President George W. Bush and Senator Ted Kennedy and John McCain, uh, you know, people who are very politically different, all worked together to try to pass comprehensive immigration reform. It failed. One of the reasons it failed is because labor unions were against it. And uh, then Senator Obama flipped his position on uh, immigration reform because he was running for president and he did not want to lose the support of labor unions who did not want to see immigration reform pass. Why do labor unions not want to see traditionally see the immigration reform pass? They have a belief that they're going to bring in more immigrants that are then going to be competitors to their membership. So this is a very difficult problem. I worked in the U.S. Senate to try to solve the problem of the dreamers. Uh, the, those are children who were not did not break the law. Their parents came here illegally and they grew up here. Um, they, they committed no crime. And the question of what do we do with these kids who we've sent to high school and middle school and elementary school, and in some places we send to college, but they are here illegally and then can't get a job or can't travel. Uh, and I worked to tried to work to solve that problem with members of the U.S. Senate on the other side of the aisle. And frankly, it was my view that they didn't want to solve the problem because it was a better political issue to have than it was to solve. So it is a challenging issue. But I think the purpose of our public policy center here is to have conversations of consequence and talk about issues and try to come in a very open, thoughtful way to solutions. And this issue needs to be solved. And until we start separating the rhetoric from the facts, we're not going to solve it. Yeah, there's the old saying that um, Republicans, in terms of immigrants, uh, want the labor but not the vote. And Democrats want the vote but not the labor. And I think it neatly summarizes that there are competing interests at play here. Uh, and that what you're proposing is to try to work past that to kind of have common understanding in Americans' best interests, and also um, recognizing the contributions that immigrants have. Let me let me end on a question because let's let's say they're here. Um, that the first part is we come to an agreement on how to handle legal and illegal, but now we're focusing on legal. Uh, in today's sort of environment, what responsibilities do immigrants have to assimilate? Because in some circles, even the term assimilation is considered a very um, incorrect term, if you will. So what responsibility, in the past, the ties were cut a lot more, you know. Uh, when my ancestors came over from Europe, it was, that was it, you know, it was over. Whereas today you can keep close ties. So what responsibility do they have to adjust to, the, to their new environment? Well, I think everyone who comes to the United States has to ascribe to our values and principles. Uh, America is not so much a place as it is a set of ideals and a vision and a belief system. And that belief system believes in individual rights. It believes in the rule of law. It believes in democracy. It believes in hard work and compassion and charity. Um, th those That's who we are as a people. And you, if you're going to come here, whether you continue to speak the language of your native land and keep the cultures of your native land, to me is not as important as that you ascribe to the idea of America. So I think that's very important. If, if you're seeking to live 
the life of the country that you lived and change nothing except your residence, uh, you're not going to be a good citizen or a good uh, you know, resident of this country. So I think we have an obligation to make sure that people who are coming here are subscribing to our values and people who come here have an obligation to follow through on that. Uh, I, I, the rich mosaic of America with different cultures is one of the things that makes us great. I mean, I like to think that the people that we have here are the best of the people from around the world. It's like, I'll put our Chinese Americans against the Chinese, right? They're, they're, they're better, smarter, faster, right? I mean, I like that about our country. And uh, it's not that we wanna dilute people's cultures. We just wanna make sure that everybody has the same adherence to our value system. That's what makes us Americans. Thank you for that. Um, and I'm speaking as someone who's lived and worked in Latin America for some time and seen the issue in many ways on the other side. And for instance, I was in Honduras and I was at a school and they, in kind of rural Honduras, this was fairly recently, and the school principal was saying, yeah, about 10% of our students leave uh, the school to go to the United States. And that was really astounding uh, to hear it because then you're, you're now seeing it from the other end uh, of people leaving their areas. And that in itself was a big decision uh, to leave. Uh, and to leave uh, friends and family behind. So I've seen the issue from both sides. And one of the ones I wanted to mention to our listeners is when we talked about reason, thoughtful, and civil discourse, uh, immigration is one of those areas where things can get heated. And what we've been trying to do here is take a look at the issue dispassionately uh, and sympathetically and understandably to many sides. So if you have comments, we look forward to hearing them. Uh, this we will... I'd like to have you back and we can discuss some other topics uh, related to your research. And I think that would be great. Well, it'd be my pleasure, Dr. Lloyd, and it's my pleasure to work with you in your capacity as the executive director for our public policy center here at Palm Beach Atlantic University. And I, I wish everybody a uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, as we come here into the holiday season. And next year, we have some uh, amazing events planned for the Lemieux Center. We have some amazing speakers coming, so stay tuned on that. Yes, indeed we do. So um, please check with our website and you'll be able to see information as it comes up. But again, we have some great things in store for you. So thank you for being a part of today's discussion. If you would like more information, as I said, or opportunities associated with the Lemieux Center, feel free to visit our website by simply searching www.pba.edu and then Lemieux Center for Public Policy. Another way for further engagement in our policy center is through the Lemieux Center for Public Policy's Facebook page, which highlights public policy and current events. And we keep it updated uh, weekly with new news items. So stay tuned to that one for updates on the feeds. So again, thank you for joining us. And until next time, my name is Robert Lloyd.